All of you, Merry Christmas. Joy to the world. The Lord is come, let earth receive her King. We'll soon be singing those words together, holding our candles, and Christmas will have officially come. Uh, The words came a little bit early. Six days ago for me on Monday, I was in my car. I plugged in my phone, Pandora Classical Christmas Radio, blared through the speakers, and a full orchestra began with chorus to sing and play, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come. The problem was on Monday, I was not very ready for joy. I was not ready for joy at all. Um, I had just gotten word that my mother was very, very ill from my daughter that she might be near the point of death in North Carolina. So Fran and I were scrambling to see how quickly we could get over there. We went on Tuesday morning early to Raleigh, and Mom once again sort of bounced off that edge of death. She's still with us. She celebrated her 91st birthday today, uh, but her baseline health has deteriorated further. Her mobility is going. Other challenges are there, and we made the hard decision which she very much embraced, that it's time for me to go into a care facility. And we'll be doing that together this coming weekend, helping her transition to an assisted living stepped facility. I wasn't ready for joy on Monday. I wasn't ready for joy midweek when I learned that my mentor, the founder of Reformed University Ministries, our campus ministry in our little part of the church where we fight way above our weight in the Presbyterian Church in America with this campus ministry that's on over 150 campuses across the world. The founder, Mark Lowry, was diagnosed terminally with an aggressive cancer, sent home under hospice care, and he passed away this morning, uh, just this morning. I wasn't ready for joy. I wasn't ready for joy when I heard about a friend from our church in Knoxville who had had a near-death experience with sepsis a month ago, strong young man who runs marathons, who had a near-death experience with sepsis, was back in intensive care fighting sepsis. Again, I wasn't ready for joy. How do you have joy even at Christmas when you're in those kind of spaces, those big spaces of death that are personal or global, like the wars and rumors of wars we have going on all around us, wars raging in the Middle East and Ukraine, or the smaller kinds of deaths that we all deal with all the time, maybe in our families and in our family systems, in our workplaces, in our vocations, in our finances, in our relationships and friendships, when everything seems to come unraveling, when even this time of year can trigger things for us about our emptiness and our pain and our loss and our sense of not knowing where we really are in the world and where our place is, how do you find joy? As my kids like to say, the shepherds can do us a solid here. (laughs) They can really help us here that we've just read about because these shepherds are not just kind of quaint, cute characters that we see little boys come out in bathrobes and turbans with towels, you know, wrapped around to, to be shepherds in a Christmas pageant. These are men who were really looked down upon, who were as a class seen as those who were not trustworthy, who were thieves often and, and, and thought about as completely those who cannot be trusted, who, who uh, were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. That's how they were looked at culturally. 
who had tough lives, who were doing often night duty like we meet them here in the Christmas story, keeping watch over their flocks by night, out on the cold, hard ground, sleeping with the sheep, away from family, um, who had poverty-level jobs and grinding work conditions. It's to these folks that the message, the gospel of Christmas, comes that provides joy to the whole world. To them, an angel voice, and then a whole choir of angels, right, begins to say, there is good news of exceedingly great joy for you, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you that you will find God Himself become man as a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid even in a cattle trough a manger. And so the shepherds go and see this thing. They run from the fields outside Bethlehem in that region to run in great haste to see this thing. And they tell about what they've heard and they are in awe before this Christ child. And what gets me is when they come back, nothing has changed for them. And yet everything has changed. Nothing's changed. The same horrible cold ground they'll go back to sleep on. The, the same difficult work conditions. The same grinding poverty. The same difficulties in their families. The same kind of cultural and social pressures they were under are all still there. But there is a resounding joy for them in that space, in the middle of that space, because something has happened because someone has come who gives them great, exceedingly great joy. You know, in Knoxville, Tennessee, when we lived and served there, started a church there in Knoxville, there was this sort of group of people that liked to have this reading group, and they were a lot more intellectual than me, but I kind of tagged into them. And they liked to talk about and even celebrate Boxing Day. They thought it was really cool to do that. And I know culturally, we're trying to sort of bring back Boxing Day, December 26th, as a day to do more shopping and to return things and to get even better deals than you might have gotten before Christmas. But originally Boxing Day, right, was this sort of British sort of holiday that was given for tradesmen and domestic workers and manual laborers where those who were in power over them, who stood over them in society, would come underneath them and even serve them and give them space to have a day with their families to put aside all the difficulties in their lives for just a moment so that there could be a space of respite for them. But here there's no Boxing Day. Here there's not even a Christmas Day break for the shepherds. All the grinding difficulty stays with them. And yet in the middle of that, there's exceedingly great joy. There can be that kind of joy for us in those kind of spaces too. But the problem is we often miss it, right? Because we're waiting for all the circumstances to align, for the job to get better, for the finances to turn, for the markets to improve, for the, for the interest rates to go down, right? For the health scores to get better, for the relationships to be resolved, for us to be welcomed back fully into the friend group, for a sense of purpose to come. And we're waiting for that alignment to be joyful. See, joy is not circumstantial in that sense. Joy is circumstantial, however, in this sense, that the one great circumstance has changed that changes everything forever. God has actually come among us to be one of us, to be near us while still remaining fully God 
in order to save us from our sins, in order to bring us into the life and love of God Himself. My favorite Christmas quote is there in the front of your bulletin. It's from the old Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, from 150 plus years ago. And Spurgeon said, you know, don't talk to me about more prophets or teachers being born. We've heard enough from them, and their teachings ultimately can never save. But tell me that God has actually been born, that God has become a man born as a babe. Then the bells of my heart ring merry peals. Because I can now come to God because God has come to me. That's joy. See, what is joy? Lasting, deep-rooted happiness in the one circumstance that has forever changed. God has come for us. A delight, a hope, a fullness, a sense of welcome and hope that fills our hearts, right? and can never be taken away from us, can actually be even heightened in some ways during affliction or suffering or pain. Think about the different shapes, the different sizes, the different sort of packaging, if you will, for joy that can come even in these stories that we've heard read. Maybe your joy this evening is like that of Joseph. And you can't understand all of this. This is wild to you. But you're going to cling with just sort of this beginnings of faith to the two names that are offered for this child. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and He is Jesus, the one who brings God's salvation to us. And you have faith in those names and you have the beginnings of a life of joy. Maybe you're like Mary and you're pondering all these things and deeply treasuring them You've processed this many times and you're processing them anew again this evening. And you've got this deep, quiet, just kind of processing, treasuring these things up in your heart. Maybe that can touch you. A joy can touch you like stodgy old, crusty old John Calvin, right? Who said, you know what? The joy comes when we realize the Son of God became a Son of Man, that the sons and daughters of man could indeed become sons and daughters of God. And there's wonder there. And you're quietly reveling in all of that. Maybe you're like the angels and you just want to say, Paul, would you be done with this homily so we can sing? I just want to burst out in song. I'm just full of joy and I just need to express it and enjoy it. Maybe you're like the shepherds and, and you are in a new way tonight or maybe for the first time saying, I can't believe that this news could be for me. Someone that others would despise and reject. And you know what? They don't even know the half of what's wrong and broken and twisted and unraveled inside of me. All the ways that I disobey God, all the ways that I've sort of lost who I am. But this news is for me. And there's a new joy for you. You, you come to Christmas in a new way, open-handed, so you can receive everything. Or maybe, maybe you're like your grandmother this Christmas. And you realize that uh, she'll always save the wrapping paper, right? And you realize Jesus saves the wrapping paper. He comes wrapped in human flesh at Christmas. 
And there's a wonder that even all the way through his journey, his ark from cradle in a manger to cross, to grave, to resurrection, to ascension into glory, he keeps the wrapping paper to prove to us that human flesh, all of humanity is redeemable. All of it can be made good. Even the scars can be part of our future glory with God. There's joy in all these different ways. You know, my five-year-old granddaughter, Gray, I was with her all this week in Raleigh there, and she kept going around the tree just kind of picking up all the presents that had her name on them and squeezing them and holding them and shaking them. And her mom said, Gray, if you break those, you know, (laughs) you're not getting new ones. But she kept holding them and trying to figure them out. You don't have to worry about breaking any of these. You can pick them up and hold them, and they've all got your name on them tonight. All this elevation of the gospel, all this lift comes because God comes all the way down, all the way down to the bottom, all the way down into human flesh, all the way down into the poverty of these peasant parents who are unwed, who are pushed around by the forces of the Roman Empire, all the way down to a place where there was no room for him. So he's born in a cattle trough, all the way down so we could be lifted all the way up. I pray that this Christmas, whether you're in a hard space or a sweet space or an open space or a mixed space, is a space of joy for you. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth, let all of us receive our King. Let every one of our hearts prepare Him room by just saying, come Lord, we need You Lord. Come. And may we join the song of all the heavens and the earth. Let's pray together. Merry Christmas to You. Lord God, come to us now. Press this Gospel of Christmas down deep into each of our hearts and lives. And may joy come to us in all different kinds of ways. May we know that all the presence of joy in You, Jesus, are ours. That that all those gifts have our name on them. And may we rejoice and be glad. We praise You and we thank You In your name we pray, O Christ, our King, come to earth. Amen.